0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world. With your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at Remax Advantage
1: Plus. Boy gee, boy gee. You muted? You're muted gia did you say I think it's boy GI or bomb GI that is good morning in uh, Portuguese well I'm gonna give you good morning in
0: American good morning you mean English that too yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Andy is Mr. Andy is uh, on the East Coast time I think
1: and you're a little under the weather the spring is coming allergies?
0: The voice, yeah, I don't know. Everyone, Christine keeps saying it's allergies, so I'm not sure. I've been, the house is getting really close to getting done, so I've been over there quite a bit, and it might be that dust, too. We'll see, but I'm just going to keep taking my little cough drops and see how it goes. Woo! It looks like his voice is fine. I'm uh, I'm ready to scream and yell at the great deals out there. Wow, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> it comes and goes with my uh, how much sugar I eat, you know.
0: You're up at Adam early today, Hero.
2: Not really. It's eight. I mean, this is kind of like uh, <laughs> this is like vacation wake-up
0: time. Yeah. Are you Are you guys doing anything for spring break?
2: Uh yeah, I'm taking my whole team to Cancun.
0: Oh really? When are you going?
2: Uh, a couple weeks.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> we <can> get ready.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, hey, that's actually in my garage. That was a, a theme party. Apparently, we liked the uh, fiesta
0: uh, environment. I was at that one. I was at that yeah. party.
2: We remember, and you uh, made us burn all the pictures that we took
0: of you. So, uh, well, you uh, you had a chef there or something that was awesome. Yeah, remember that.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm like, I, we've thought about this for years. There are so many people that are not that far out of your circle that are so talented. And I'm like, I'm, you know what? People hire me as a professional to provide service. So I'm like, I'm gonna start hiring other people that I know to, you know, kind of cater and have fun and showcase their business. And uh that that was a uh, a fun one. We had uh authentic uh Mexican cuisine, as they say, empanadas and nachos and all kinds of really really cool stuff. So
0: yeah, no that was that was good. So uh what do we think about the market Andy? We uh, we put on three we put on three new listings and uh, all we had 18 offers on them. Nice. On the, on the 3. Yeah. Uh,
2: I know we've got uh we I agree with you. I've had uh I've had a pipeline of people ready to go and for a variety of reasons this last week I didn't bring anybody on until today. I have uh one coming on today um that is uh in Champlin on the Preserve and a big beautiful two-story. I mean, these guys took, you know, meticulous care of this place and we're listing it at 659, which I think is a steal considering Right down the street, they're selling for nine fifty. same size house, um, just, you know, uh, obviously a few years newer. But like yes. I said, this house has all brand new stand carpets. And I mean, it's amazing. So
0: what is that? Does that compete against a new construction segment there at six fifty nine?
2: dollars We do um, because we still have some new construction kind of in Dayton, um, right on the edge of Maple Grove. And um, Lisa, would you kill the sound? Thanks. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, and so what happens is the, um, um, when they got new, go out and they shop during like, the parade and they'll see, wow, look at this big, beautiful house and all the coolest, trendy colors and whatever. Once they get over that side of it, they start looking at the numbers and then they decide, Hey, is this something that I want to do? You know, is new construction, you know, you pay more, but it costs you less to carry it because obviously you have, you know, um, less repairs over the, next 15 20 years everything's brand new right and under warranty but on the other hand it's hard to beat value and it's hard to beat established you know mature areas nice trees you know what i'm saying so it's like and then you start really looking at the lot just like lake lots chris i mean on prior lake you can go from 750 to 3 million on the the same lake and the lake lots make a big difference so same thing on a park you know like what is your view are you close to the trails you know
0: how do you yeah, imagine if that uh, development was brought to market right now, what those lots would be. Probably twice the oh. amount that the new constructions are on. Because oh, God, would be crazy, right? some, Yeah, maturity. Maturity is uh, super important to a lot of people. And then there's other things like blinds, you know? I mean, that you, you get these things that maybe you don't get Duke so well, if you this, do a new construction. Well, the
2: carpet. Think about the carpet I just mentioned. These guys went through this whole house and did Karastan carpet. I mean, <coughs> three times the price, if not more, than what builders are putting in normally. You yeah. know, yeah.
0: You know. That's good. Yeah. So the market uh, is definitely 100% uh, uh, moving and shaken. What are your what price ranges? I didn't ask you. What price ranges were you in? Two sixty nine, four ninety nine, seven seventy five.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like that sounds like my listings. What
0: are you what are you doing? Yeah, it was there were total of uh it was total of 94,000. 90, yeah, 94,000 over full price with all of them. So, you know,
2: so we've started to see some troubles with um challenges with appraisals. And you know, like we, I think our team, I don't put up and down like 15 houses this month. And We've had more appraisal challenges now than we've ever had. Where it's not that the appraisals are coming in low, low, but if they're over asking price, they're not raising the price. It's almost like they they uh, don't want to repeat what they did last year or whatever. And God forbid anybody's house goes up in value. And so these appraisers are like fighting these. You know, it was listed at three hundred. They wrote it at three twenty-five. They're they're appraising it for three hundred. And it's it's almost like those appraisers shouldn't even be able to see the purchase agreement because. In my opinion, it sways their opinion, and I think it's a it's a big issue because these banks give these guys basically criteria. This is how you're going to appraise this house. Not just hey, use your professional opinion based on market conditions, square footage, quality of construction. Come up with a value for us and let us know what that is. They don't do it that way. They take a look at the purchase agreement and basically look at like you know their algorithms and say, well, that area really doesn't like anything over 700. So.
0: You know, but the, but the thing is for the banks, it's the banks that want the appraisal. Totally. About yes. me. So if, if I'm asking for appraisal, you know, I want it to be able to, I want it to appraise for what it, the darn thing's worth.
2: So maybe Bank what I'm is saying, just trying to
0: justify that it's worth that price.
2: So, so kind of what I'm saying is exactly what you're saying, Chris, where indirectly the banks are putting a lot of pressure onto appraisers to make sure that they're not doing this crazy over asking price crap that they've been doing the last couple of years because a lot of these banks probably feel that things are overinflated and they're not seeing an environment where, you know, Hey, we're going to see 20% appreciation this year. You might only see four. So they don't want to see these crazy over list price offers.
0: Another thing I want about the offers of the 18 offers, guess how many had no inspection out of 18?
2: Mm, Five.
0: One. Okay. Which was, which was is really surprising to me. I mean, that's kind of a big change that everyone's asking. Now they do it in another way. They might say, "It's hey, it's it's real quick. We'll get it done within three days." Hey, it's only for big items. We won't ask for anything, you know, under five thousand dollars. But mm-hmm. they all have inspections. It's very interesting.
2: That is interesting because you know the um, th- that's where the consumer is kind of even though they're out there, there's they're basically feeling like they're being risk takers right now. Like the whole, we don't know what's going to happen with the economy or interest rates. And so what we're seeing is a direct reflection of that on how they're writing their offers. They're cautiously optimistic. They're still writing offers They're but they're, they're very weighted to protect the buyer, which is fine. And they're still willing to pay a price because there's five other, six other people trying to buy the same house. And so if they want it, Unfortunately, they're they're having to make their offers have to be prettier than the others. And sometimes that means waiving inspections or raising the price or putting a guarantee above appraisal, you know?
0: All right. Let's go a little, Nikki. Maybe read the bottom. What's what's that? Home sales spike
2: 14.5% in February as the median price drops for the first time in over a decade. So remember, Chris, you and I walk into a bar and our average wealth is $500,000 and then Warren Buffett walks into the bar. And now our, our median wealth is about 6 billion. So remember guys, there's highs and there's lows in that. And the median is kind of the, it's a fancy word for average, right? So median doesn't mean as much to me as, as it used to because we're selling more high-end houses now than we ever have, we're, you know what I mean?
0: I don't maybe, know. maybe what you would say is that's called clickbait. Yeah. That little thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I well, in
2: sales, spiking just means that sales are going back up. So what you and I are talking about is exactly true. People are getting used to the environment we're in, right? The, the, they're used to the hot tub being a certain temperature and they're jumping in and they're getting, cause they still need houses. Remember people buy houses based on their needs, not on the interest rates or, you know, otherwise those are kind of like when we were coming out of the housing crisis. There were people that were opportunity buying, no doubt. Probably most of the market for, you know, 2009, 10, 11, into 12. There was just great deals coming along and they'd buy them because it was a great deal to hold it as an investment. And, but that's not the buyer we're seeing right now. We're seeing buyers that all of a sudden they're having their first baby or their second baby or they're downsizing or they, you know, need to be on one level or, and so they're, they're finally saying enough is enough. We got to make our move. Um, Because we can't live in the house we're living in anymore. And the market is what the market is.
0: Let's just go. I concur. That means I agree, Andy. I was going to Google that real quick. (laughs) Hey, what
1: about what I highlighted right there?
0: Higher mortgage rates have been cooling home prices since last summer. Uh, Maybe. Um, And for the first time in 131 consecutive months, nearly 11 years, prices were lower on a year-over-year comparison. I disagree. I do too.
2: I don't think that's the case. You know, these, remember, I'm not trying to to say the media is not accurate, but I'll tell you, the media spins things and highlights things that make you respond. All they're trying to do is get your blood pumping. They're they're not trying to give you the, because if it was, it'd be like getting a report card. You're all straight A's. Boring, 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 right?
0: It was interesting, those listings. I mean, everyone was kind of, I don't know. I guess cautiously optimistic. You know, when when I talk about marketing and how we're going to do it and what I'm seeing, and and uh, everyone was kind of like, "Okay, are you sure? Are you thinking this will really happen?" And it's funny, like when it does happen, but you got to be you got to be in the thick of things if you don't if you're not seeing it every day because this this market shifts really fast. We've got one coming up in Apple Valley right. that um, we're remodeling. And there's only uh, in that in, in the price range we're looking at, it's kind of that 350 to 450 range, and it's like it's cr- the, the part that's crazy about it is that I said hey, it's 399 last week, this week I said I would go at 399, but I think we're going to get 425, because everything all of a sudden of the nine listings in that category, seven of them are already under inspection. And so there's obviously something happening to that price segment that we can flip and uh, and get going. So now it's like everything you can do to get that house done and on the market.
2: That's great. I think that you know that is that is you know so like the pent up energy, right? There's there's been a lot of people sitting on the sidelines since last June Um, rates started. I mean, this time last year rates were at three percent, three and a quarter, and now they're at you know six and a half ish, wherever, about around six, six and a half. So They're moving around all the time. So it's just, it's a different payment. So people have to get used to, what can I get for the amount of money that I can afford to invest? What I really do like, Chris, is the way people are still investing. They're not exceeding themselves. I mean, some people, they're saying, you know, the the affordability is off the charts, and people are spending a bigger portion of their income. Of course they are. Well, what they're thinking of is the payment went higher, so obviously it's a bigger percentage of their their income, Um, but they're still like under 25% which is totally comfortable. It's totally in line with where you're supposed to be. I mean, for the last couple of years, it's been like 14% on some, in some areas in the Twin Cities. 14% of your income goes your house payment. Those people don't have problems. They, they lose a job. They whatever, have trouble with the economy. I mean, you know, whatever it is in their little world, they're, they're not going to be a failing homeowner, you know, but, but what is really disturbing to me, and I'll, I'll bring this up only because I've seen it recently. The amount of houses that are coming back in the Twin Cities now that percentage wise is really low, but the way they're uh, hyping and pushing and bragging about the fact that there's all these bank owned properties, it's disgusting to me. We're still less than like 30% of what our average was over the last 40 years for the amount of foreclosures that are happening right now. But these auction.com and all these other companies are blasting this stuff all over social media, like foreclosures are coming foreclosures are coming. And then what's funny is this, I'll tell you this, you buy a foreclosure, Chris, I bet you pay 10% more than what it's worth in today's market. You want yeah, to talk exactly. about a rigged system. You, you, you got a bank selling an asset that they have to appraise and finance for you. Uh, yeah, 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 it's worth 450 Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I th-
0: I think, too, what's happening with buyers is they're adjusting. They're just adjusting to what they're spending money on now. Yeah. You know, because they're saying, well, geez, I'm going to have to pay 500 more for that uh, house. I'm just not going to buy the new car that I wanted to go with it to park in that garage. And so they're just adjusting what they're spending money on.
2: Yeah, what was that the other day? I heard the average car payment in the U.S. is seven hundred dollars a month. Wow, average. Wow. I go. What do you what What little Honda do you get that's seven hundred dollars a month? I'd like to see that Honda. You know what I mean? Because I mean, I see more Honda Accords rolling down the road, and I guarantee you they can't be seven hundred dollars a month.
0: I wonder what interest rates are on cars now. I mean, they got to be must pretty be high. It must be nasty. Holy moly! Yeah. Um, All right. You want to read this,
2: Chris, or you want me to read it?
0: I think it is. Uh, Elon says it's the most serious looming issue. And what is that, Andy?
2: Elon Musk warns of defaults of mortgages on commercial real estate. So what he's basically worried about is that a lot of these big notes. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with, with commercial loans versus residential, residential mortgages are a term loan. They have the, and you pay it off at the end. Commercial loans are a period of time. So you borrow money from that bank at a period of time, you don't pay it off. They can call the note due if it doesn't hit their conforming standards in their bank or it throws their books off. So they'll say, you know what, we're gonna give you six months to get this refinanced with somebody else. And all of a sudden you have to refinance that building. Well, a building that's half full or half empty, however you wanna look at it, is is probably not going to appraise now for as much. So there's gonna be a shortage on equity. So now you're gonna see commercial properties potentially having challenges. Which is fine. Here's the deal. I'm still in an area, Chris. I don't know if you are too. I'm in an area where I'm seeing commercial buildings going up everywhere. I don't know about you, and I'm talking like little yes. strip malls. I'm talking. Uh, we need a Starbucks, or how about this? The new craze right now. Everybody needs to be on an automatic payment on a car wash because you got that seven hundred dollars a month car. You might as well pay thirty five bucks a month and have your your drive through every five minute car wash. And and so now you're seeing car washes being built everywhere. So it's like. Here's the deal. Don't feel sorry for the the big boys and the big girls that have money. I don't. But what it has is that it has um, the the overflow to you is that all of a sudden they may not expand their factory or they may not expand their business. They may decide to contract their business in your area. Hence, you lose jobs. People can't pay mortgages or whatever else. And then that puts pressure on housing, too. So that's what I think if if you read through the fine print. Um, I I really don't feel sorry for these big hedge funds that all of a sudden are going to be short 40% on their investment. They were dumb enough to make the investment, they're dumb enough to you know take the loss.
0: So well, I think too what they're doing is they're they're adjusting what the market is saying to them. And and I think yeah. times like this allow you to tear down a mall and bring in some other, you know, look at like West End in St. Louis Park. I mean that yeah. thing, I mean they they saw a need and it was obviously upper bracket rentals, and they lined that freaking freeway in West End with uh, huge apartment buildings the whole way. Um, you, you know also, there's
2: a, there's an apartment across the street that I think would be perfect for for you and I, Chris? Oh, it, it literally. So remember where that Good Day, Cafe, Good Day Cafe is, where we used to have breakfast. So right next door, they have an apartment that actually has a lazy river. Really? I know. I'm like, I wouldn't even have a oh. job. I oh, would I go. I like, go down the windows. And they crack the ice. I think so we can start fun. I remember the, oh, there's,
0: there's one. So Happy. That, what well, was the one in Uptown that uh, Clark Gasson owned? It was we did our radio show stuff there, and we had um, oh my gosh, right across from Stella's, and it was called. They had a hot tub over the the foyer, and then they actually had a bar for all the it residents.
2: Literally over to yeah. you, swimming.
0: Yeah, their own bar.
2: That's, that remember awesome. our buddy Nick? Nick had an apartment there.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah our buddy that's right. Nick, Lolo.
2: Uh, Lolo had an apartment there.
0: Lolo. Yeah. And, and he
2: yeah. goes, he goes, I gotta be honest with you, he goes, this is really fun living here, but he goes, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna die. He goes, it's every night. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. He go, and even even yeah. Lolo, who loves to have a great time, got I I you follow him on social media, he's fun. He's uh he's very into the Zen yeah. uh namaste, which I really appreciate yeah, too. Yeah. He's cool, dude. All oh right, boy,
0: okay, so it's gonna it's that debt's gonna mature. And it's far more than any five year uh two and a half trillion in debt will uh mature. So it's the most in any five-year period. Um 60 percent 60 to 70 percent occupied only, and refinancing these loans can be incredibly expensive and likely lead to the next major crisis. What do they do with major crises? Uh Mr. Kraft and print more money. Well, you know, here. that's what's
2: happened. Here, here's the thing. I was I was reading an article the other day about this, where they were talking about, like, the presidents that were the only presidents in the last, like, whatever many years that haven't been reelected. And it was because there was fears of a recession that we we're heading into when they were being trying to be reelected. And right now, same thing's happening to the current administration. And they're talking about them wanting to roll out this huge bailout for commercial real estate, re- blah, blah, blah. And they they don't want to do it because they really can't afford to do it but they have to do it or they'll never have a shot at getting reelected. So it's really interesting to see at a political level, how they're kind of infiltrating down into some of these, you know, local issues. And uh, man, I don't know. Everything, man,
0: Everything is political. Everything that's it's is political. It's really kind of sad. So,
2: well, I mean, I, that that's, I don't know. I, I just, I don't even want to get into that stuff because it doesn't matter to me at all. I'm just busy in my little world, working hard and, Trying to help families and do my own thing, and then take care of my own family, right? right. But on a bigger scale, they—they they, first of all, you're sitting at home right now and you're watching this show, and—and and no offense to us, but who gives a crap about commercial real estate unless it affects you personally?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. you're not going to default on your loans. You're not over leveraged with a three thousand unit apartment building and a dyna
0: that's worth. And it does uh, affect. It, it affects your psyche, and it's—I it know, but that's what are
2: promoting that crap, right?
0: Yeah, right. I oh, totally agree. But that's the problem is that they're, they're they're trying to affect everyone. And I think you're exactly right what people are doing. is saying, you know what, just get that noise out of here. Me and my family need to be here. And that's what we need to do. There's not a lot of stuff for sale. And if I'm going to get it, I'm going to have to pay for it. And then that's what they do. Right. So, and that's what's been happening. So we don't, it, a lot of the people don't have to be convinced you know, to be able to move because we don't have many places to move anyways. So, there you go.
1: All right. Beautiful. All right, let's get into some social media reacts. Oh, uh, is Andy on these yet? We're gonna find Every out. parent should consider buying a house. Okay.
2: Things I would not do hiring a real estate agent to sell my house. Number one, no virtual tour. This gives any wacko on the internet access to your floor plan. Number two, no open houses. Open houses are mainly for realtors to meet other buyers. If someone has a strong opinion, one person will ruin everyone else's opinion on your home. I've got to be honest with you, I disagree.
0: I don't want to work. Yeah, I mean, you'd be out of business if your models weren't open.
2: Man, I'll tell you what, people in today's world, you can say whatever you want about these apps. Okay. Um, oh, these apps and these virtual tours. What I'll tell you is this th- the right part of that segment was virtual tours, 3D tours can help some people because they're out of state and they want to see it and they want to write an offer site unseen. Your local market, I truly believe it postpones and or makes people eliminate your house as an option because now they people don't buy on. Oh, wow, that's surprising. I didn't know that. They go, oh, that for sure makes me not want to buy this house. That for oh, look at that neighborhood. Oh, look at the house to the left, the old one on the virtual tour or the, or, you know, you do aerial photography, right? And you see that. And so I'm very selective with mine. If I have aerial photography where it shows garbage next to the house, I may not use those photos intentionally, right? Because again, just like that class action lawsuit, which I, I would love to talk about it, that, where they're suing NAR about, you know, hitting whatever fees. And I'd love to talk about this at some other time, but um, that is an example of, of what we do to create hype on these houses and then get people to maybe fall in love with, pay more or pay at least market value for that house because my best interests are my clients. My client is to sell that house for as much as they can with the best terms we can achieve based on the current market. And it's my job to make sure to expose that house to as many people possible, get people excited and hyped about it, Get them to come in and get them so ready to buy. And if they don't have necessarily somebody to let them in the door that day, an open house the day that you list allows people to come with or without their realtors, not, not talking about representation at this moment, but um, just for that moment, just to they can get their eyes on it and decide, Hey, I want to move on this. You're on mute, Chris.
0: Okay. At a time. Um, I did an open house and on a luxury listing, okay? It was at the time, it was the most expensive house that I had ever sold. And the seller was like, well, why are, you can't do an open house. It's just going to be a lot of lookers. And I said, that's exactly, we want those lookers. But what, what we also want is that looker that's out there that doesn't want to call an agent and say, hey, I want to go set up a showing to go look at this $3 million home because they're going to get hounded. And so if you give them a way in which to be able to go through relaxing wise and just see if they like it or not, I mean, you might get a buyer. Well, that's exactly what happened at that house. Someone that wasn't even thinking about purchasing ended up purchasing it because they went through the open house.
2: So it's, it, dude, it's great. I love open houses. I love, um, <clears throat> the, the thing that I, that I don't love is falling in conformity with everybody else where it's like, well, you put this many photos on, you you do this kind of a virtual tour, you do a floor plan. Floor plan's mandatory, Andy. And I'm like, listen, if a floor plan is mandatory and they'll go, oh, look at the baby's room is too far away from ours. We're not going to go even look at that house. How many people can visualize? Not many, but they can judge. And so they judge a floor plan. But when they get out there and they start seeing the house, they go, well, this is great. Look at the flow of the hallway. It's great. And they would have eliminated that house based on looking at a floor plan. So a lot of builders will do the same thing, not only for competitive reasons. They don't want their competition going a copy of their blueprint, but they, they know that they're eliminating showings, showings, sell houses. You need to get the bodies there to get the offers in. And if there's nobody that's local buying, it's only an international buyer that's going to buy that house. Then I'm all for putting everything online. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Same thing. I had one that, uh, the, the sister came and looked at this house that there's no way she could afford it. But she says, I think my brother's looking for it. That brother's turned into one of my, not only bought that house, but he's turned into one of my best clients. So
2: there you go. And that's because you're, you're out there. I tell you, some of my best relationships I have in real estate were made from being out there. And I say this to young agents all the time. Don't sit back and worry about sending emails and texts and all this clever whatever. Get out. Be alive, be present, be there. I mean, help people experience that house when they do a walkthrough. Help them with an open house. Open houses are kind of cool because it gives you a chance to show off a little bit. Like that lady said, well, they're just there to pick up buyers. Of course they are, they're business people. So they're gonna use your, your house to actually meet more people. And who's gonna sell that house better than the listing agent or somebody on that listing agent's team? Nobody, they're gonna be like, did you see this feature? Wow, did you know this is an extra that most other houses in this area don't have? They have the heated tile floors or whatever. And so I I I don't want to be a jerk and say I completely disagree with that person, but a lot of what they said, there's flaws in. Yeah. And and market conditions change every day. So adjust accordingly.
0: Yeah. And one other thing about that is that the whole adage of my neighbors just want to come in and see it, and I just want to be nosy to see how I live. Tell me the next person that's more motivated to have your house sell for the most amount of money other than you. It's your neighbor. You know, if they, they want the best person in there. They want them to pay the most amount of money because that helps their house and their neighborhood.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I also used to also um, take where I take it one step farther and I'd have um, people inviting the neighbors to the open houses. So I'd either use a common, I have a couple of software packages where, It'll invite the neighbors. You can do uh, software where it'll call their phone numbers. Um, and it'll say, hey, this is Andy, the listing agent down the street at 1234 Main Street. Wanted to make sure you knew about our open house. So if you know anybody that wants to live in the area or if you'd like to pick your next neighbor, feel free to bring them in. And uh, we're going to have donuts and beer at 11 to 1 and or something weird. Because you always want to have something weird that makes them go, oh, what?
0: Right. And,
2: and then they come in and sure enough, you have donuts and beer. And they're like, huh. True. Anyway.
0: I really I'm, I'm retired. Weird.
1: None. I'm retiring and I want to give you my $1 million house. So thank you, father, but can you just keep it under your name for now? What, do you not want the house? Of course I do, but you've owned the house for almost 30 years and the property's value has already appreciated a ton, which means if you transferred it to my name today, I would be responsible for paying all the capital gains tax on all that appreciation when I sell it. So what do I do then? Just put it in a living trust and add me as a beneficiary so that when you pass away after 30 years, I can inherit the property tax-free through the step-up and cost basis. Meaning, I won't have to pay capital gains tax on any of the appreciation that happened after you bought it and I won't have to go through probate. Okay, so don't transfer assets to your kid's name and open a trust instead? Exactly. That way we pay no taxes and create generational wealth. Who even told you this? I just follow me along.
0: Yeah. Yeah, something we can't discuss. Um, but yeah, you definitely should be looking at that stuff. We can't give legal or tax advice. Um, and other you remember
2: like some of those people back in the day. I know we're not supposed to give advice, but I remember we had guests on that would talk about like every year, like with with not necessarily a million dollar house, but let's say it's a $350,000 house, and over the next 10 years, you have your parents gifting you the legal maximum, whatever that amount is, and so it it transfers slowly the ownership to you (coughs) so that it is essentially tax free. And, um, you know, and it depends, you got to pick your accountant because your accountant may say, Hey, inheritance tax for you is better than having it put into a trust and then we have to deal with you know your dad charged this property down to zero you know i mean and like i don't know there's there's a lot of variables there that i really highly recommend that if you're going to get into strategizing about um generational wealth you should really consult a professional for sure don't listen to somebody on TikTok. no offense to us have a lot of enemies huh yeah all those
0: hidden doors yeah that is i mean there's some neat places that would be nice to be able to afford that
2: you remember the old uh murphy beds that they used to sell back in the day so that same company now makes like murphy doors and they are they're like bookcases that open in and kind of that scooby-doo hidden you know room in the house or whatever it's See, kind of fun
0: i have i have I'm doing one right now, and uh, I'm now thinking about just making it a case opening instead because there's so many options, but sometimes they just, I don't know. It's kind well, like, I, What
2: I worry about is the kids, right? So the little kid that wants to show their friend, hey, look, we have a secret room, and they slam that huge bookcase open, or you know what I mean? Unless it was like pneumatic or something where it actually, you hit a button and it goes, Whee! I don't know if it, it would work. Uh,
0: <laughs> Well, they have them. They're all on mechanic. I mean, it's crazy what you can get now, but they're not, they're not inexpensive. I'll tell you that. So. No,
2: no. But I, and I wouldn't put it on a room that I'd go into a lot. Like if I had like a hunting room or something like that, where I'm in there, you know, by myself or looking, doing whatever, cleaning ammo, whatever you do, you know, yeah. and uh, then it might be fun to have a hidden room. Cause then it just takes the mystique or the mystery out of what's in there, you know, versus like I've got I've got a, a listing coming where they have a um, a very cool hobby room and they don't want people in there until they do their second showing. Totally understand. Lots of valuable things in there. Lots of whatever. And and they just it. it but people want to know what's behind the door. It, I mean, they made a whole game show about it. Think about it. So if they don't know the door is there. Then they don't care.
1: Awesome. Hey, we got a brand new segment, Agent M.D. with Chris Rooney. So it's going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney Home Experts.
0: I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Find- what do you think of me being the doctor, Andy? I
2: thought we were gonna talk about your your voice.
0: Your your. I know it's it's my it's my Barry White voice. I can sing for you too. But uh, yeah, well, that, I've, I've lost my voice for quite a while. Well, it happens. Yeah, All yeah, right. Worse so the first thing we're just kind of starting a new segment. Uh, Andy and I are doing it together. I'm just kind of leading it out. But um, the uh, the idea is is to be able to help our listeners, which are, a lot of them are realtors. And the first one we're going to start with is beginning agent mistakes because. Agents that make mistakes that um, can affect the rest of their career, it happens early on because most licensees don't even make it a year. If you can make it three years, you can probably go after that, but it's not an easy place in which to be able to make a living. So um, our first one, they don't do training, okay? And what what I mean by training is that it's not, I mean, it, it could involve some sitting on a computer, but actually training and doing the things that you need to do, get out there and and do it live. So it's it's sitting at an open house with Andy Brasky. You know, it's sitting at an open house with Chris Rooney, it's showing a house, you know, with me, it's um, doing a market analysis, it's it's real life type things that you need to be able to do. And people just don't do it, they don't take the time. All they're worried about is yeah, I better get a client because I gotta get a sale. And if I don't get a sale, um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to stay in the business, but you're never, ever going to be able to, you know, last in this business unless you do a lot of training. So,
2: um, well, you know, like the analogy I gave the other day, we were talking um, with, with our team and, and there's some agents with lots of experience, some, you know, agents that are, are you know, a couple years into the business. And uh, one thing that I always, you know, use the example of, so like with the final four going on now, and I say, think about being a basketball player. And it comes down to where you now are on national television, you're on the biggest spotlight you've ever been on, and you have to go shoot a free throw. And you get up there and if you've never practiced, you're just like, I hope this works out. And you shoot a free throw and you miss the backboard. Embarrassment, whatever. People are like, what? How, how did that guy miss that free throw? You've heard it. We've all sat around the room like, what the hell? How did that guy miss that, right? Practice. You have to practice. You have to sit in your driveway and shoot 3,000 free throws a month. And eventually you turn into an athlete. And then as a coach, your coach gives you techniques. You keep practicing and practicing. Now, real estate, what's different? I don't think there's anything different. You, you have to practice everything from what you say to people. I think the most important mistake most new agents make is uh, they do an open house. And they're, hi, folks. How you doing today? Um, here's my card. I'm a realtor. Let me know if you have any questions. I go, Why would you waste that opportunity meeting someone saying, Hey guys, my name is Andy. I'm with Remax. Super excited. My broker's got some new cutting edge tools. We're doing some really fun stuff. I'd love to show you sometime. Here's a card, stick it in there. If you ever want to sell or buy a house, let me uh, show you what we've got. Right? Totally different approach to things. So it's like, but if you don't have that on the tip of your tongue or you don't practice like, Hey, what am I going to say to people when this happens? Or what do I say to a seller or a buyer when this happens? I I honestly think like you're saying um, the, the training and practicing of scripts, and negotiating and everything else is, is very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It, le- it leads into the next one. And uh, that is new agents don't invest in their education and learn. Today, with the new advent of electronic signatures, has now taught realtors that they don't even have to know what the purchase agreement says. They have to fill out a few little different spaces, spots, and all of a sudden the purchase agreement is done. It gets signed. But that's a problem later on. And like Andy's example of sitting in an open house and all these new exciting things you do, you got to be able to give some examples and tell people that might be one that these people want to start talking about things that you need to bring up agency relationships in a real estate transaction. You know, if you don't know what that is or you can't um, kind of uh, cap- capture it in kind of a quick one minute little s- s- Thing to be able to tell them it just is. uh, It's pretty. It's it's pretty sad because you can tell an agent right away. And our rules state that at first substantive contact that we have with someone, we have to explain what real estate agency is as a transaction.
2: And 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 for a real quick second, why wouldn't you want them to do that? So people, I'm not not looking to get involved. I I don't want to commit to nothing. And I'm like, cool. Well, then you really need to hear what I have to say because this is important. So you protect yourself.
0: And it's it's the law.
2: Well, right. But I remember this. Now, a real estate, would you not rather have real estate agents perform at a higher standard, be ethical, be looking out for consumers and protecting consumers, or do you want to be sneaky, slimy, and, you know, that whole, you know, we're going to sneak in the house and not tell anybody, and maybe we'll get, you know, this guy paid or that person paid a commission or not. I mean, come on. So what it comes down to is this. If you have an agent. And the agent's working in open house, like Chris said, you know, disclosing or what they have, it's called an acknowledgement, right? So you acknowledge the different ways you can be represented by a real estate agent. And all you're doing is saying, hey, did you know? Uh, and then if you read the fine print, it does say that even if you're unrepresented right now, I'll treat you as a customer until you decide what form of representation you choose to enter into. It, it doesn't just sit there and say, you got to commit to me. It's saying that, hey, you understand that right now you're not represented and you have options. And But people don't present it correctly. People say, I need you to sign this before I can talk to you. And it's like, just explain it fluffier.
0: It's a disclosure. Exactly.
2: Yep. If you want a brochure, if you want any information from the open house, if you want me to tell you what I'm allowed to tell you, you know, go ahead and take a packet, sign this right here, saying that you were here and acknowledge it and and move on. And that it's that simple. You're not committing to anything.
0: Hiring a coach, Andy. Um, yeah. a lot of people won't do that because it costs them money. but I'll tell you what the people that I've seen can hire a coach and is one of them uh, that's hired a coach. and uh, we've got a couple agents in our office. Mm-hmm. You can tell the difference. oh yeah. how much money they're making and it's holding you accountable. So even if yeah. it's uh, even if it's your um, spouse that becomes your couch coach and helps you uh, be accountable to what you're supposed to be doing, it's a lot better to have a maybe an agent. Uh, but it's a it's a very important thing to be able to do and to kind of keep you in that path to get to where you want to be.
2: i I, I think every professional um, in, in in the industry, and I always go back to sports because that's what people seem to love is you know live sports and and seeing that authentic moment. and usually, even you know from the the caddies to the uh, whoever, there's there's a coach there. There's somebody guiding them into their excellence. And the thing is is that, you're the star player, but sometimes you have all the tools, but you don't know what to do with them. So that that coach is going to, you know, point you in the right direction to make sure, hey, use this tool for this, use that tool for that, and and go hard. And and you you build that relationship where you get that wisdom um, put behind your energy and your talent, and all of a sudden you become an all star.
0: You know, yeah, exactly. And then the last one is that they don't practice. And and that's the thing is that I always tell people, I mean, Andy's great analogy with the basketball player. Uh, it was perfect. But it's with agents, it's always like you don't want the first purchase agreement to be the real one. And so you need to practice that and practice it with another agent or someone at your house. We, we used to always do that with our agents. And they just, you do it over and over and over again. I remember the first time I did a. Purchase agreement. Um, I was I was in the business. I kind of got I lost my first two buyers, which are both good friends of mine. They both purchased a house. Um, Their parents kind of pushed them to um, go with someone that was more experienced, and so they ended up buying it. And I I kind of got left out in the in the rain uh, per se. And I went and I just said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I got to know more than these other people because they were obviously older than me. So I, I I trained and I practiced and I listened to all this stuff, um, but I didn't really go in front of other people and start reading it. So I would I would do it on the computer Not we didn't have a computer at that time, but books and tapes and I'd read. But I didn't take it and like go over the purchase agreement with my dad, per se. And uh, I'll never forget the first purchase agreement. The person comes up to me at an open house. And they said they said they were of Asian and they couldn't talk a lot. And they said, you have paper? We write offer. And I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea what to even do. So I had to call my dad and bring him in. And so then after that, I started, I mean, writing it out and, and talking about it. But people don't do that anymore. They need to be able to, you got to get out there and practice. You got to go open lock boxes. You know, you don't want to go out to a, the first house you show and you can't get in the lock box because you don't know how it works.
2: I have a story about that. This happened to me, I should say, a couple of months ago. And I had a guy that said, oh, you realtors, all you have to do is learn how to open up a lockbox. And, and, of course, I think that's funny because I agree and I think it's funny. And we laugh. And then all of a sudden, two days later, we're sitting there and we're getting their house ready to go on the market. And he calls me and goes, I can't figure out how to lock this lockbox. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, my God. I was like, I was like, I wish I would have had my tape recorder or something, you know, or my phone to record it. And uh, and he goes, yeah. He goes, it just won't stay put. It won't unlock. And then I go, okay. Step by step, I go, put this on and lock it. Put that in and plug the numbers. Pull the thing down. Stick it in there. And all of a sudden, it was like it was. It was actually to the both of us. We were laughing so hard. It was great.
0: So you do do need to be licensed. So.
2: It, it's part of our training for 2 weeks we yeah. just open lock boxes um, right. know that.
0: but the idea with real estate is, is you got to know what the heck you're talking about if yeah. you don't know what you're talking about you're never you're never going to be able to get to the upper echelon of sales it's just going to be a part-time hobby for you
2: yeah we've over the years i've had this kind of strict rule where i say hey um you know if you're going to be on the team and i'll say take the house you live in right now i want you to write a purchase agreement for me on that house after you present me with a market analysis. So present me the market analysis, show me the data, sell me on why you're going to be, you know, a listing presentation, market analysis. And then I, and then I'm like, now write an offer on it. So I kind of do it in sequence. And then it's interesting to me to see how people write stuff and how they misinterpret sometimes forms and misinterpret, you know, well, what are they really trying to get out of that? What's the gist of this you know, statement? So
0: yeah. So agents, if you want to learn, you know, um, Mr. Rooney here is coming up with his back. He's coming back with integrity marketing. I started that right uh, at the start of COVID. And I said, okay, we're going to hold on and see what it is, but I'm coming back. So kind of being able to help people. But if you want to um, be under someone that will teach you every day and be on a team, that would be Mr. Andy Prasky with the preferred home team.
2: Why? Thank you for that segue, Chris. Um, no, that, that's true, though. I mean, it, it's a case of where, you know, um, I, I've always looked at this. I don't know about you, Chris, but where you have the opportunity to shadow somebody that's in the business. And I didn't have that option when I got in. I just was like, you're a real estate agent. Here's the real estate book on the counter. Go sell stuff. Don't get me Don't get me sued is what my broker used to always say. And we would laugh about that, right? So now, you know, why would you join a team? Why would you or why do teams exist? Um Teams exist because there's people that have collective common thoughts that, you know, or industries or segments of the industry that they focus on and the similarities, they have the tools that help thrive in those environments. And then these teams create these like hyper um, focused kind of, if you will, sometimes, not always, but hyper focused, you know, group on being really well at a few things and in it or a few areas or whatever. And they're not the catch all to everybody because that doesn't work. We've all found that out over the years. But, you know, you get into these niches, you learn how to, you know, uh, actually dig into those, get into those areas, get some business going. Um, you actually get to experience sales. You get to experience. And, and that's what a team will do for you is get you going fast. Now, if you're naturally organically talented and you get going, a lot of people do this too. They'll get going and then they start failing. You know, they get going really fast and mom and the uncle and the cousin all buy with them and sell with them and then they got nothing. And, and so they run out of luck. And that, that's where a lot of people also join teams because now you join the team to learn how to market and learn how to get your, your brand out there and get people excited about what you bring to the table so they hire you instead of the other 19,000 real estate agents that are available in the Twin Cities.
1: And if you join Andy's team, you get the party with this guy. <laughs>
0: we hit uh, <coughs> pretty hard. Um, we have fun! It's, I, you know, it's amazing partying, partying with a guy that won't drink with you, but it's it's like he's drunk all the time. So you can you can totally enjoy him.
2: Hey, I like happy hours. I Such uh I'm just curious. So Nick, where are you at today? You got kind of a marble
1: background there. I'm back in that little uh, resort I was staying in the previous weeks. So I'm in the cafeteria right now. With the, where the oh. Wi-Fi is at? Where the
2: fans are cranking and
1: yeah. Yeah, no AC over here. Wow. Uh, Here we go. I got um, our real estate agent wants to buy our house. We need advice. And here is uh, the rest of the information. All right. It's an
0: off-market deal. They haven't put it on the market. The house uh, will will not be listed. The agent acted as our buying agent for this house two years ago. And the offer price is at market value. And they're charging a 6% commission. Do they want to know what's wrong with that? Is that the story?
1: If it's a good deal or should they get a different agent to make this deal, etc.
0: I think that's up to them individually. But I mean, if it is at market value and that's what they would sell it for on the open market and it and it frees you from worrying about it, and closing, getting it ready for showings and all that. But depending what market you're in, if you're in our market and depending on what price you are and what updates you need to do, um, it might be better to go live on the market. I mean, I do it almost at every listing. I'll tell people that I would pay you this, but obviously I'm going to get my commission off of that. So it's hey, it's 300, but I'm going to pay you whatever 280 282, we'll say, and uh, and then you're free to go, you know. But I think you should put it oh, oh, on the oh, market oh, because oh. if we price, if we price it at 299.9, you might get 320 325. So we have to do that as agents. We got to make sure that people know. Oh, everybody
2: caught that. I, you, you were, you're jumping in and out,
1: Oh, Chris. oh. sorry. I, your
0: your voice is cutting in
2: and out there. I, is hey, that, Andy, but anyway. I'm
1: hearing it. I think it. I think you, you were lagging a little bit. I heard the whole thing. It's it's good. Oh, did you? Andy's cutting you out. It's Champlain.
0: internet. Though. This is the stuff that happens. This Champlin stuff. I'm telling you. So I, mean, I paid Andy, my bill a couple days late. Andy, Big deal. Re- Andy, redial in with your, your push-button phone. Redial so you get your... AOL isn't what it used to be, Chris. It just isn't. It's not. It's not. So, But what I was basically saying is that it depends on... Uh, your agent should tell you the facts. And we have to tell the facts all the time. We have to tell them exactly that, hey, I think you'll make more. And we have to write on a purchase agreement and then write it five more times by the end. So,
2: Yeah, I think that that's, you know, a fair analogy. But I also think that um, as, as that real estate agent coming in, they asking 6%. That's basically like for full marketing services. And, you know, I don't charge a full 6% if I'm not, tra- you know, doing marketing services. So if they're selling it at a fair price, then you should give them a fair commission as well. And generally, if you're representing yourself as a buyer, I don't see that being worth more than 3% or whatever, you know, so if I were them, I would counter back with and say, yeah, we'll sell it at that price if that's a fair price, but we're going to pay you a 3% commission instead of 6 So that's how they could counter that. Or um, say, you know what, we'll take your offer into consideration. We're going to list our house on the MLS and we're going to do it for you know this many days. But here's the problem. That agent will probably want to list that house as well. So now you have to bring in another agent and then they're not going to get the deal because now there's another agent involved. So I don't know. I, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Chris.
0: Yeah. I, I think that if they're paying you a fair market value, they should get a fair market with the commission is. And I think it's, I mean, everything's negotiable, you know, because I mean, if I, if I'm a realtor, I'm typically not buying anything at fair market value. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm usually trying to get a deal. So yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, I think the idea of of buying, I mean they might be buying it for themselves, but um, if they're, if they're buying it to kind of relieve that person of stress or they're buying another house, you know, they're, they're probably figured in. Well, I, I know I can sell for 300. I'll be able to get it out. I got to pay another person a commission and it just basically gets them out with a, you know, a, a listing commission on it. So,
2: okay. Oh, there
0: you go. Yeah. Guys, I don't, you guys are, uh, I, I do got a couple of closings. I'm going to try to hang in here as long as I can. So Okay. Those are things when you get paid, Andy, when they close. The house is closed, and then you – yeah, that's
2: – Wow. Thank you for enlightening me.
0: Just saying. Do,
2: do I need to pull my numbers out again, Chris?
1: <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Hey Andy, got a question here. Um, okay. this up the mortgage rates have been skyrocketing recently it's about six to seven percent but these rates seem more in line with the average interest rates before uh 2008. so why what is the difference between this what made interest rates so low between 2008 and now
2: uh normal appreciation versus like appreciation on steroids so the appreciation that we've experienced the last couple of years has brought house prices to new highs that they've never seen before so Back in 2008, you probably had an average sale price of 170 thousand in the Twin Cities, and now it's it's pushing you know over 300. So it's like the the numbers are, and in in reality, the markets I work in, it went from an average sale used to be probably 400. Now it's over seven. It's kind of the average. So it's it's really crazy, but um, that's kind of the average home buyer that I'm seeing. So you get into those kind of prices, and those mortgages are pretty significant. I mean, if you're not putting a bunch down, so. Um, but what I am seeing now, which is really interesting, you know, Nick, is that the interest rates are higher, the prices are higher. but I'm seeing people put more money down because they're selling their houses with higher, you know, um, equities. And so they have more money to put down and they're not blowing the money. The difference is in 2004, five, six, people were using their houses as cash machines. So they'd appreciate $100,000, they'd refinance their house, they'd go buy a ski boat. And we were seeing a ton of that going on. So, or whatever, you know, back, I don't even think they had ski boats back then, but they'd go out and buy an RV or buy a Corvette or whatever it was at the time, blow the money, and then they use their house had that appreciation as a cash cow, thinking it was going to keep going up and up and up. And then over the years, um, all of a sudden the housing didn't keep up with it, and also they owed more than what it was worth. And and that's where at a federal tax level, I don't am kind of get off track here, but that's where at a federal tax level that loss, they were going after a lot of people for a long time because they were like, hey, you've got four Corvettes and you foreclosed on your house and you used all the money, the equity in your house, which you could have clearly conservatively kept and, and got out of that mess. And you, But you have three Corvettes and now we have to take a loss as a bank. So the banks were not uh, obviously very excited about that. So
1: Beautiful. We got a couple more questions from uh, Greg. I'm glad to see him back.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, Greg and I will probably be bumping into each other up in the uh, – the, uh, actually, this is kind of funny – Uh, I've got my, this is where Greg likes to hang out. Um, The 22 uh, Northman Brewing and Alex,
1: my favorite coffee mug. His first question is what color of kitchen appliances are hot right now, Andy?
2: Um, Smoky uh, stainless steel. So it looks like, it looks like a dark, like a, a, well, just like it sounds, darker stainless. (laughs) And and it's actually paint, which is kind of cool because then you can still have the magnets stick to it, right? Um, can uh, So can a house be overstaged and not look homey? For sure. Um, I think that some houses are, you know, like, especially builders models, we'll do houses where we actually overdo them. They're a little bit over the top to really accentuate the use of that room. So formal dining, they do all the, you know, chargers and all the other, you know, three plates deep in the wine glasses and they'll do, it's over the top. You'd never probably have that in your own house sitting there, but they'll do it over the top and it does make it, but they're really trying to emphasize, Hey, are you an entertainer? You know, or Hey, the home theater, they go overboard on the home theater, you know, that kind of stuff where they're just really trying to make you, they're fighting for your attention. So when you go through these open houses, the staging is really, they're fighting for your There's only so much space in your head that you can absorb in that house. And they're trying to give you things that you walk away from and say, "Remember that room that had the—that's what good staging does." You're on mute, there, Nick. By the way,
1: yeah, they got a little noise going on in the background here. Oh. But, uh, what does the ten-year cycle of real estate mean, Andy?
2: A ten-year cycle? Well, that's that's kind of a—they're just saying that business, you know, the like we just talked about interest rates and um, appreciation, and they they fight along, and, in, and now you can throw into the max income. And then income and, and interest rates or appreciation have to float together. Otherwise, the ratios get off, and then you see a dip and you see a plunge. And a, you know that's what they're talking about. So it seems to go up and down over the years, um, not necessarily with appreciation, but the the volume of the business or the you know the um, and sometimes it does take the the prices down with it. But for the most part, it's just the ebbs and the flows of the industry it seems to go in about a ten year cycle.
1: Beautiful. Anything exciting this week, Andy, you want to let the listeners know about?
2: Well, you know, um, how much time do I have?
1: I'd say a couple of minutes. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, you know, what's interesting is I there was a survey. I just read this survey from National Associations of Realtors, and they surveyed real estate agents. And they said, what are the, you know, these people that are thinking about selling in the spring, what are their number one things that they're doing for home improvements? And just from a competitive perspective, I thought this was really interesting to hear. So there's a couple of things that were being done very frequently. So 6% of the sellers that were out there said it was important to them to actually do caulking around all their countertops, their bathtubs. So there's no cracking. It doesn't look like it's half in and half out, broken off. They, they re-caulk everything to make it look fresh. Um, gives, a, gives an illusion of maintenance. Right behind them was replacing grout or cleaning grout. Um, 6% were doing that. Um, major things being done um, 8% of the people were, uh, working on their HVAC and their hot water heaters, making sure that the new buyer came in. Uh, they didn't leave a 30 year old furnace in there. They were putting a new one, um, just as a, you know, as a gesture of, we make, you know, we're taking care of the house. It's been updated. Um, replacing the roof 9%. I had replacing appliances at 11%, which was pretty shockingly high. Uh, full painting of the exterior was 12%. Full painting of the interior is 12% touch up paint was 12%. So pretty even there. And then lastly, uh, 13% of the people are going to update their exterior landscaping, mulch, vegetation, trim their trees, and their shrubs and make that curb appeal um as, as uh, beautiful as it can to get those people in the door. So those are some of the top things that are your competition out there is doing to get their houses ready to sell in the spring. A little hard with snow on it, but
1: Beautiful. All right, Andy. Awesome. Let's uh, click our link tree. I can see who all clicks it are not exactly the names, but where they go. We have our websites on there. We have our YouTube, the Facebook. We're posting nice. short clips now all the time. So they're really engageable. Write a review for us and then send in your questions. Andy, I hope you have a great day. And uh, You too, man. Enjoy that cafeteria. It looks great. Yeah, we have lunchtime pretty soon. So all right. Bye, all right, buddy. ciao. See ciao. you later. All right, bye bye.